Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super excited for you to dive into this episode. Before we start the episode, I want to let you know that I've officially partnered with this amazing company called Play On Relief, and I've been using their products for a few months now, and I love it so much, I wanted to partner with them to let you guys in on all the amazing benefits that I get from it in my training and races, because... I frequently get asked, how do you deal with muscle soreness during long runs, during races, or even after long efforts? Of course, the more you train, the less sore you'll be. But let's face it, long runs can still hurt, especially in a race. So to help with my own soreness, I've been using this topical spray called Plan during my long runs and races, and it is a game changer for aches, pains, and muscle soreness because it zaps the soreness away in seconds and lasts a really, really long time. It's so easy to use too, and I don't have to rub it in. No mess. It's just a spray on. I can't get enough of it for my muscles on the long runs in races and recovery and it's sweat resistant when you spray it on it goes to work in seconds because it goes beyond the skin and into the muscle and joints directly where the soreness is to reduce pain at the source and that's different than other cbd creams or icy hot that are just on the skin level and plus it's all natural fda compliant and backed by 10 years of research so it's legit I hate putting stuff in my body filled with chemicals, so that's why I like the natural mixture of Plan. And because of Plan, it helped me to battle extreme leg soreness at this year's Havelina 100 at mile 60, and it even helped my fiance with some gnarly hip pain at mile 15 of her first 50K. So I'm telling you folks, if you deal with aches and pains or you're looking to be less sore in your next ultra and on your long runs, you gotta try this out. And because I love this product so much and I want you to try it out, Plan is going to give you a special holiday discount on your next order. All you need to do is use the code EVERYDAYULTRA at checkout to get a special holiday discount of 20% off your order at the link in the show notes or go to playonrelief.com. That's going to playonrelief.com to get a 20% off your order with the code EverydayUltra at checkout and that way you can try it to be less sore, keep running strong, and play on. Thanks so much everybody. Let's get into the episode and thank you so much for being here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm so pumped for this episode. And uh, we were talking even before about just some of the topics that we can talk about. And even before we were kind of talking about all the ways this conversation can go, I've been following this runner for the past year and actually had the the pleasure of meeting her and doing an interview alongside with her um, pre-race at Javelina this year too, which um, was so, so cool. But um, just to give some of the insights of an incredible year, you know, our, our guest has had today. Um, she, in 2023 alone, she's won the Run Rabbit Run uh, 100 miler, which is an incredibly competitive race. So coming in first place is amazing, but she did that also coming off the heels of setting the FKT on the Colorado Trail, which is just incredible as well too and she also had tons of other races such as a backyard race where she notched about 170 miles also raced at black canyon also raced at javelina and most recently fourth at jfk so a lot of races a lot of awesome results as well and uh next year she's gearing up 
for the famed Hard Rock 100 as well. So we'll talk about this year, her year, her success, her background, uh, what she has uh, going into next year as well. But um, nonetheless, I'm excited to announce our guest today, Tara Dower. Tara, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and congrats on an incredible 2023, my friend. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And as I was saying in the intro, I mean, you just had an amazing 2023. I mean, FKTs to wins to, you know, top five at some of the competitive races here in the US, which is super, super cool. So just awesome to see, you know, and I, I always love when you know, you see just athletes like yourself just out there and crushing it too. But I always like to hear like, what kind of is the story leading up to who it is? And we were kind of chatting beforehand. And, you know, I was also um, talking about how I first found out about you with the through hiking background and everything like that. So talk to us a little bit about how you kind of got into the the sport of ultra running, what your background's like. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear the Tara Dower story. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. So I've, I was always a runner. Um, I, I discovered like in middle school track, I was like, I love long distance running. I was really good at it. That's why I loved it <laughs> and got into high school, was doing cross country and then took a long break from running. And, um, my goal in college was to through hike the Appalachian trail. Um, and so that's 2,200 miles up, um, from Georgia to Maine. And that was a goal of mine. I worked towards that and finally, in 2019, I through hiked that with my husband, Jonathan, and we had the best time and it was really slow. We were backpacking. It took us five months and 10 days. We we're on our feet constantly just hiking, uh, which was the best. It was so much fun. We were newlyweds. And then he, his dream, my dream was to through hike the Appalachian Trail. His dream was to join the Navy and do a specific job in the Navy. And so of course, we went right into uh, joining the Navy because we didn't really have a lot of money and the leftover the AT after the AT. And um, I still wanted to do some sort of trail adventure, um, but I wasn't 2020. It was becoming 2020. Uh, everything was like ramping up um, as far as COVID. And um, I was planning on doing a mountains to sea trail uh, through hike by myself, which is 1,175 miles from the mountains of North Carolina to up the Outer Banks uh, to Jockey's Ridge in North Carolina. So I was planning on just backpacking on my own. You know, Jonathan's military, so I have a lot of time on my own as he's doing basic training. So I was going to do that. But then as 2020 was ramping up, I wanted to do it. I realized I should probably do this in a more responsible way. Mm -hmm. So I kind of got a couple friends together and we had this like little, um, what do you call it? We were just like our own little unit just traveling. So we weren't really making contact with a lot of people except for those um, trail angels that were along the trail. Um, and we just, uh, I set the FKT on the trail uh, and I was me, my friend Rascal, she did about 400 miles. I did the entire thing. And so I set the FKT. It took me a month to run and hike the Mounds of Sea Trail. <laughs> and then after that, um, I learned about Diane Van Duren, who was the woman who had the record previous to me. And she was a hundred mile athlete. And I was like, oh, she has done the FKT on the MST and she runs hundred mile races. Like, of course I can like do that. So that was my next goal was to do a hundred mile race. And that sure enough, a year later, after completing the MST, I was on the start line of the Yawari 100 miler. 
and that was my third ultra marathon and went out there, loved it and haven't looked back. Um, of course I've done other FKTs along the way. I've done eight, 100 milers now since 2021, um, October of 2021, but I've done, I've also done the Bent McKay trail FKT, which is 289 miles, uh, in the Appalachian Mountains, Southern Appalachian Mountains, which I love, my favorite mountains. And I've done the Colorado Trail FKT as well. Oh my gosh, that is so awesome. Like, <laughs> it, it's so cool that you like saw someone else and were like inspired by them and was like, oh, like what's possible for me? Like if I can do, you know, the, the you know, similar accomplishment as her as getting the FKT, like, and she's doing hundred milers, like what's, what's possible for me. And like, not only have you done eight of them, but you've been like really successful, like, you know, in the ultra distance, which is super cool. Kind of going back to the FKT story. Was that your intention to go out and get the FKT or is it just a finish? And like, what was kind of like your intention around that? Yeah. The way I kind of told that it didn't seem like I was going for it. Cause I kind of forgot to mention, I was going for it in the beginning. Nice. Um, cause 30 days, you have to kind of have that intention going right into it that it's about 40 miles a day, which isn't like, like super high mileage for an FKT, um, of that size, especially for what, um, I'm doing now and people I'm surrounded by. It is a lot of miles. I don't want to like downplay that. That is a lot of miles, but I have slowly increased my daily mileage. Um, but yeah, so you kind of have to go into it on the full force. So it was around 40 miles a day and I had to have that intention from the beginning. My gosh, that's so rad. I mean, like, yeah, 40 miles a day is 40 miles a day. That is a yeah. lot. And so, and it's so cool to see you had this goal to go and do it. And I, I guess like what intrigued you to want to push for that FKT? Because it sounds like with the Appalachian Trail, it was with your husband, y'all were newlyweds having a good time. Where did that kind of competitive almost itch kind of come from? And like, what, what even, even today, just as you know, you today as an athlete, like what drives you to, you know, want to be on the top of the podium and, and, and get out there and be the best version of yourself out there? Yeah, I'm really competitive. I'm super competitive. Like I am, I love making friends out on the trail, um, out in races. I always say that, like, that is one of my favorite parts, but I also go into races, um, with the intentions of doing my best and just running the entire time and, you know, being completely depleted by the end. And I also, I'm more competitive, I would say with myself, it's like, I want to do good. I want to be my best self. And if I'm not doing that, I'm kind of a little bummed out about it after the race. So it's more of like this fire inside of me. Uh, yeah. So with the Appalachian Trail, that was just, we're just having a good time. Like, this is my dream. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're six months married. Um, but, you know, I played soccer. I played rugby before. So I was always in competitive sports uh, and cross country, of course. So I always, I still have that drive in me kind of innately. <laughs> That is awesome. Yeah. And it's so cool when you hear like athletes such as yourself where, you know, they're in running now, but they have a background in competitive sports. Like you see a lot of soccer players or, you know, people who played football or, you know, any of these kind of sports in high school, like bring that competitive spirit into what they do on the trails. So that's super, super cool to see as you're kind of like going into the world of ultras, right? Like you, you get the FKT at, at the trail and now you're, you're going into your hundred milers and, and doing all these like races. What do you think were some of the most pivotal lessons that maybe you learned in those ultra races and those first, like, especially the hundred mile distance that helped you to be successful? Because I'm sure like a lot of those lessons still play like out on the trails today for you. So yeah. like, what were some of the biggest revelations or lessons you learned along, you know, your first few hundreds? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I feel like there's some people, people have different approaches. I'm kind of somebody who wants to learn my own way. And so I'll just run a bunch of races. And even if I'm like not doing good, like nutritionally, like I still have learned my lesson and I know what works for me. Some people want to get like all of that information and, you know, just learn as much as they can before they actually get on the course and before they um, actually do their first hundred. I like the experience. So I really learned a lot. My first, like one, my first couple 100s, even my first, like I had a trail marathon before and like a 50 miler before the first hundred learned a lot about nutrition. And I learned a lot about hydration uh, and personally what works best for me. And I, I, uh, learned you can't like survive one you can't survive on like cosmic brownies and gushers like you can't do that that's a through hiker diet for sure um but also like goose don't work for me i to this day i smell it at umstead was like the time i was like i'm done with these no more uh, and that was my third 100 and i was like no more of these because i smelled it and it was just like just had no other food, unfortunately. I only pack goose and just like instantly just throw up. It's like I can't even smell that anymore. So I learned like, you know, what works best for me, which is sometimes spring energy. It depends on the race. That's um it's it's not always, you know, one one size fits all. But usually that'll work for me. Morton sometimes works. So I, I pack a variety now. I know that a variety is necessary. And also liquid calories work really well for me, like tailwind. And then if all else fails, if nothing else is working, which I actually forgot this at Havelina, I wish I remembered because I tried everything as far as like food and water or like liquid calories, nothing was working. One thing that is like my last ditch effort is just Pepsi or Coke, mm. just use that the entire <laughs> the entire way the last miles like even if it's like 40 just use coke until you can't go any further and i forgot to do that and i kind of wish i would go back and just try to survive off coke oh coke i feel like is is like the holy grail of like ultra runners it is yeah. like the the thing for sure like the the savior nectar i like to call it out there which is super cool but i love how um, kind of like in the beginning of that answer, you talked about learning from experience, right? And the the thing that I've always respected and admired uh, about you is like you do a lot of races, and it's so cool to see you like like you were saying. I think a lot of people can go in and do the research and like compile the notes and everything, but to you, I love how experience is your best teacher. And kind of like on the nutrition thing, where you like kind of amass all these options, were these just things that you were just testing and trying out in a race? And I guess like how did you? like come up with that strategy because that I think is like the one piece and I love how you say like what works for me because like what works for everyone's different but like mm -hmm. I guess like when was the point where you kind of nailed that down and like really felt confident or is it just something that's always evolving like would love to kind of hear how you know an elite athlete like you approaches that nutrition kind of testing uh, it's you know yeah uh, <laughs> I don't know I, I don't know it's all from like really bad experiences like I've mm. I, I've learned all this from like like there was a time I forget which race I only had spring energy and that wasn't working either because I was like this is gonna fix everything it's great um then the next race I added like Morton's or I added like a chew or something where I added um more tailwind for instance uh, because you know, it just, it just, you know, I think I figured it out and then it's, I'm pivoting again because it didn't work out. It's, I've just amassed all of these 
all this experience from kind of negative experiences mm. on trail. And that's, that goes kind of an offshoot. It's like something I think a lot during, especially 100 milers. I think a lot of people think this, I don't think this is just me personally. And I'm probably, I've probably heard it somewhere. That's why I think about it so often, but like, it's not when thing, or it's not if things go wrong, it's when things go wrong. And with mm -hmm. that mindset, I'm able to like expect that. And now I have a lot of different strategies for when things go downhill. And it's usually when it goes, why it goes downhill is nutritionally. <laughs> so that's my downfall for sure. Oh, well, that's awesome. I love how you say like, it's a matter of if and not when in these ultras. And it's super cool because even, you know, at, at your recent race at JFK, you even put like in the in the comments, I remember reading it, like you practice a lot of that problem solving. And I think that's what makes like not only just a great ultra runner, but also great through hiker, a great athlete, and even just great person in general to take oh. that kind of problem solving approach. Like how, like maybe, and I love what you pull from the negative experiences too, because mm -hmm. I think it can be so easy to say like, oh, like, you know, that, that stunk out there. That wasn't great. But to you, you're like, okay, like there's a lesson learned and I get to glean on that. And so do you, like, how do you approach like dissecting those lessons after a race? Like, you know, or like maybe let's just take JFK for an example, right? Like how do you reflect oh. on, I guess, like a race that happens to like help you in the next one or your next opportunity, or even just throughout your career yeah if we're just looking at jfk i sprained my ankle i don't know what i did it, i don't know what i did i did something and it hurt really really bad pretty sure it's a sprained ankle because my ankle swelled up um and about nine miles in and i ended up just being like give me all the tylenol you got and i just <laughs> kept going uh because i didn't want to dnf two races in a row my first one was javelina i didn't want to go ahead and dnf my second one ever too um so yeah so after the race it's like okay that didn't go too well i thought i was really good at technical terrain so when i like process it afterwards it's like what do i what can i do to fix that and I mean, with a sprained ankle, that's, that's kind of, I mean, you can't really like fix that. That happens. Um, but you can do like exercises to strengthen your ankles and practice more on technical terrain more than you thought you, uh, needed to. Um, but you know, I, I keep thinking this, there are a lot of things that I just kind of like wing. Um, and like, I don't really have a solid approach for like, even just a process of processing a race mm. and I should, I don't really do as much as I should do. Like nutritionally, I know I need to fix my nutrition. Um, and you know, maybe get blood work or do this or that. Cause I get tunnel vision sometimes, but I don't really always, I don't do the work for it. It's just, I got so much going on and then it kind of like escapes my brain. And then I'm in a race all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, at that, I didn't fix that. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's maybe why I'm always saying when it goes wrong, not if <laughs> Maybe it's because I never fix these things. I don't know. I'm still well, figuring out. I'm only two, two years, two ish years into ultra running. So, you know, I'm sure it'll come eventually where I'm more proactive. I think there's a value in probably just going out and, and, you know, like you're saying, winging it or just kind of taking it by the fly though, because I think in ultra running, I'm sure you, you can relate to, it's like, if we have like the most like rigid or kind of structured plan, like, I mean, I, I still think even if we're the most prepared, like 
things can and will still go wrong out there. So I think it's it's more of an indication of like the race and stuff. But I think like and I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Like, do you feel like there's a value in just like not putting as much like structure or kind of like things that like do you find you get a lot of enjoyment out of it? And the reason why I ask that question is because like. I know for some people, including me at times, like when I feel like I'm so rigid into something, like it can almost take away the joy and things like that. But mm. like for you, do you find that spontaneity like to be like more of your personality and kind of where you thrive? Because I feel like structure can serve some people. Structure doesn't serve other people. Like, I mean, Courtney DeWalter is a great example. She just kind of talks about how she's very free flowing. And I mean, she she's awesome. So I'm curious to kind of hear your approach to that. Yeah. So sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. Um, I think with FKTs, I'm definitely more like free and flowing and just kind of sleeping whenever and eating. I try to eat. I do try to keep my calories up, but I'm not as rigid with how many calories I'm keeping up uh, on these FKTs on the trail. Um, I just eat. If I feel full, great. That means I'm doing well. With ultra running, I know that I would benefit a lot from more structured training and um, I do find myself enjoying training runs way more if I'm just like, all right, let's go out, see how eight miles feels. And I'm like at eight miles, I'm like, all right, let's go do two more. Uh, I do definitely feel like I'm enjoying the process a lot more, but I know I will benefit a lot more from a structured training or like a structured um you know, nutrition plan. Hmm. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to see, like, you kind of have like a dichotomy of both. Right. Cause I feel like at one part it can be like, Oh, like I'm never going to have like a structure plan. The other person's like, I need structure. So it's kind of cool that you see the value in kind of both sides, but also while balancing, like doing, you know, what works best for you and everything. Cause like, I mean, your results speak for themselves. Like, I mean, you are, it's clearly working. It's clearly doing well. So like what you're, what you're doing out there is, is, is awesome. So like for Thanks. you, is it very, just kind of like feel, see how you feel on the day and just kind of like, like I'm always curious on like the intuitive kind of training approach. So I guess like when you were looking at a training week, for example, like how do you like approach that for a specific race? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good answer. I like that. that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I, if I feel like running faster in a day, I'll run faster. Mm. Um, for JFK, I'll do speed work on a track. I'll just do like, 400s then I'll do a bunch of 800s and I'll do a bunch of like mile repeats at a fast pace uh long runs are really fun I have a great state park here in Virginia Beach called First Landing it's super flat but I'll go out there and just like run around the trails and you know check out there's this one bridge that has reptiles um not a lot of reptiles but there's like there's crabs those aren't reptiles I know that no one get in the comments and say <laughs> Okay, there's crabs, but then there's like there's like frogs and then there's like snakes. So I always run over that bridge. So, you know, if I can go back, I'll double back and like go look at that bridge again, sit and watch the herons and the crabs and reptiles. Um, yeah, so it's just I guess the the answer is I'm kind of more free flowing with my training now that I'm thinking about it. Uh yeah, it's you know, if I want to do six miles one day, if I'm having a tough day, I'll just do like a couple miles on the treadmill. I have a treadmill upstairs. Um, yeah, it's, I guess it's a little more free than I thought. I like. <laughs> but I know, I know, I can benefit from more structured training, though. I I do recognize that. Yeah, and and listen, I think it's a thing where it's like if it's not 
you know, broke, you don't, don't have to fix it too. Cause like I said, it's clearly working. And I think there, there is a value to it because sometimes like you said, like if one day maybe you're feeling a little tired or like feeling like you need a little bit of extra recovery and then on a structured plan, you have like, you know, go, go do like, you know, hill repeats or something like that. It's like, ah, oh, well crap, this is going to be brutal. So you, I, I feel like with the intuitive approach, you can really like fine tune your body a lot to like the needs of what you need. And also what's going to bring you the most joy, which is like mm. in the end of the day while we're doing it, speaking of the training too, like, so I think everyone looks at like how well you are in the mountains and running and everything like that. Right. But, but Virginia beach, like you even <laughs> mentioned the park that you're on, it's, it's usually flat. <laughs> how, how did like, I'm curious, like what's, how do you prepare for these mountain events? I mean, like the Colorado Trail FKT alone, I mean, you know, it's just a lot of vert, a lot of, lot of technical stuff. Run Rabbit too, a little bit more runnable, but still a lot of vert in there too. And yet both incredibly successful at just as successful, if not more than some people who live in those areas. So how do you how do you approach that? Like, how do you approach like, okay, I got a race in the mountains, but I live in Virginia Beach. Like, how do you prepare for that? Yeah. So I'll go back to like run rabbit the first year I did it 2021. Um, because after that year, after 2021, I got a cash prize from that race and was able to invest back into running. So mm. I bought a Nordic track X 22 I, which goes up to 40%. So I can run Gosh. pretty, you know, do some pretty sweet climbs on that. But before that, like you're saying, I had to train a lot without all that vert any elevation gain, like I, I had to kind of like figure it out. And so what I did a lot of, uh, before I had the treadmill, when I was training for a lot of mountainous, like cruel jewel was another mm. 33,000 feet of gain in Georgia, crazy race. Um, and I had to train for run rabbit too. So I had to figure that out. I, there's a, I've talked about this a lot, but it's, um, a park in Virginia beach called Mount Trashmore park and it's a old landfill that they've put grass over and so it's like a 70 foot hill so i would just like for eight miles i would go up and down up and down up and down uh people probably thought i something was wrong with me because i was just constantly just like going up and down that thing for eight miles and i would get about two thousand feet of gain which is pretty good and then um i went to the sauna a lot before run rabbit because i knew that would help the heat training would help sort of with um getting to altitude mm. and what else did i do um yeah i think that's it but also going back to the through hiking i do have this huge base and i mm. i have climbed big mountains in the past i don't i don't know if that carries over completely um but i i think i can attribute a lot of it to, you know, past, past hikes and time on feet. And also my competitive nature. I think I don't, I don't want to let those things limit me. I don't want anything to limit me, especially living at Virginia beach. I don't have a choice. So I have to deal with it and just like make it work. And my husband, he's military. So that's for anyone wondering he's military. So we can't, can't leave the area. Um, we're hoping to leave soon and go somewhere a little more inspiring. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's about it. But then after run rabbit the, the first year and I got the treadmill, um, I still didn't do a whole, I didn't, I wasn't on the treadmill every single day, you know, running up it in preparation for mm. the Colorado trail. Um, yeah, I, I 
maybe did a couple runs a week and that was about it. I like that. No, I think that's that first of all, that's so awesome because it shows like it's not necessarily about like the location you're in. It's like how resourceful can you be? Like even without the treadmill, like you mentioned, like you were out, found the hill and you were running eight miles, like up and like that is kudos to you. That is like mental toughness, I think, on a, on another level for sure. But oh, you yeah. looked at like what you had available and and made do with it, which is cool. And I think it's also awesome that um, you, even with the treadmill, it's not like something that you're doing like every day. Right. And I think like, it can be easy to overemphasize the vert when it's like, you know, the fitness and, and just getting out there and getting like the, the, you know, training speed work, all that stuff. Like it does adapt to the climbs as well. Mm -hmm. So it's like it cool does. to see. Cause I think, you know, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes I made early in my kind of career was when I was training for a mountain race, I was like, I need to get as much vert as possible. Mm -hmm. But the reality was like, you just need to get fit. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Like, so it's cool to see you do that same thing. Also leaning on your experience from the other trails in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that same mindset. I definitely did too. I mm -hmm. will say, you know, it came from a place of desperation, just trying to like find anywhere and everywhere. Like I, three hours away, I can't get to the mountains three hours away every day. So I had to make do, um, with what I had around me, but I was kind of really bummed when we got our orders. We first got orders to Panama city and Panama wow. city, Florida. So sometimes I drive two hours to around Alabama and do like this mm -hmm. really, it wasn't that it was just like rolling Hills. Um, but I also went to the beach and did a lot of soft sand runs that helped a lot. So if you do live at the beach, don't worry if you have a mountain race, just run that soft sand for miles and miles and miles. I know it's mind numbing, but it does help a lot with mountain races. Um, I think we had talked about this before, but a big thing for me is just like inspiring people. Like if you are getting ready for a race or you want to run a race, but you don't know how to do it, I say just like sign up for it and make do with what you have. Uh, I think it's easy for me to say that. Um, compared to other people. I think I have a lot of resources now with the treadmill. And then, um, you know, I do have a camper van, which feeds into the fact that I can like, I can go two hours or three hours to the mountains and just like stay there in my van, um, and train there sometimes, but not everyone has that, those resources. So it is easy for me to say that, but at the same time, like make do with what you have and go to the beach or, uh, go to that landfill and run with that landfill. That's obviously open to the public, but that's something big for me is just encouraging people to get out there on those, um, you know, make do with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you just say, just, just sign up the race and, and figure it out. Cause I think that's like usually the first part of why people don't even start to try and find the things. Cause it's almost like you sign up for the race and you're like, okay, now I have this coming up. I got to figure it out. Like I got to like get creative. Right. And so I love that encouragement because, um, I think, you know, people think, oh, because I live in Florida or, you know, somewhere flat, I can't do like Leadville 100 or I can't mm -hmm. do like high lonesome or I can't like it. But to your point, it's like, you can make do with what you have. And I mean, you're, you're an example of that, like seeing everything that you've done too, and you're doing it well too. So it's not mm -hmm. even like, you know, it's like you're going there finishing, like you're going and winning these things and, and being a top competitor in the race. So I think that is is super inspiring to see for people who, you know, might just kind of count themselves out of a mountain race because they live in a flatter terrain. Yeah. I think, I think I was really searching for someone. I hate saying this. I, I hate saying, I, I know I'm an inspiration to people. I think I just have to accept that more, but I, I think I was searching for somebody when I was starting out 
running ultras, I was searching for someone like me who was living at these places, mm. um, you know, at the beach and trying to search for those people who were doing really crazy mountain races and Colorado trail FKTs and uh, like run rabbit or getting into hard rock. I think I was searching for those people. I wasn't finding it. I did find Casey lick tag um, yes. and like seeing her stuff was very inspirational. I was so thankful to meet her at black Canyon. And I think I, I might've told her like how she inspires me, but like she doesn't le live in Colorado. Um, and she is a crusher. She's a crusher. Uh, she's super quick and she just crushes these races. And I think I was just looking for someone like that for such a long time. And I hope I'm that person for people. I, I hope I inspire people who do live in these places that people that can't move, like you, you can do this. You, can do it. You just got to get out there and make do with what you have. Oh, I love that. I I love that so much that, you know, I think when it's similar to even just going back to your first story about like seeing, you know, the person who had the FKT on the trail before you and seeing what she mm -hmm. can do, unlocking that within you. And you took that same approach of saying, okay, who else is doing this? And Casey, I mean, it's a great example. She's been up there at Western States many, many times, a lot of wins, a lot of podiums. And yeah, she lives in incredibly flat terrain, but a great mountain runner. So it's cool that you pulled that inspiration. Yes. A hundred percent. I agree. Like you, I mean, me included, like you are inspiring people out there with mm. what you're doing. Um, and I'm curious, like knowing, like, cause you, you've gained a lot of, you know, m much more attention in the sport now with like your accolades continuing <laughs> to kind of go up. And, and I'm curious for you, like, if there is like, um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ultra runners listen to this and a lot of them just wanting to start, or maybe some of them wanting to PR, maybe some people like I get messages all the time. I just DNF'd and like, kind of mm. like discouraged, like what's, what's kind of the story you want to write to help people to write the story that they want to accomplish in their ultra running journey? Yeah, I would, I would say it, it, it comes with planning, of course, like planning can't just go out there and like kill it. You have to plan, you have to train and you have to do, you have to put in the work. Um, but I think it, if you have, that all comes easy if you have this one thing, which is just the heart and this like mm -hmm. the the heart of it. Like you you want to do this, you're inspired by it. It's something that you're looking towards. It's this goal. If you have that inside you and you um you are inspired by it, I'm <laughs> not a super inspirational person as far as uh, talking, but I'm trying to word this in a way. Like if you do have heart, it comes easy because then everything in your life is kind of pointed towards that. Not everything completely. Like for me, I have a lot of facets in my life. I'm, I'm on YouTube. I make YouTube videos. I have uh, my dog and my husband, Jonathan, and family's a big part of this for me. Um, so, you know, if it's one of those, that big goal and that big facet in your life, it will kind of come easy and where like planning uh, will come with it. You'll get a calendar and you'll start writing down your training. Um, you're going to go out, you know, at hopefully at like, you know, before you go to work, you get up at 5 a.m., you get in your training run or your workout, and then maybe you go out for another run. It will just come easy. I would say like if you have that heart and that desire to do it, it just comes easy. So maybe finding inspiration in some, something, you know, something about the race, something about somebody who's already completed the race. If it's a person that's already done it, maybe watching a YouTube video about this race. If you find something and that makes you feel something makes you feel inspired. 
I think that's a big part of it. And everything beyond that comes easy because then you're, you've got this desire to complete it. So good. I love that. Yeah. And, and it's, I appreciate all the content you put out on YouTube and everything, by the way, like I'll put links to all your socials, YouTubes, everything in the show notes. So please check out Tara's content. It is awesome. But uh, I love how you take the approach and you're, you're very open about your journey, right? You document everything, the highs, the lows, the times where, you know, falling into a choya too, like the the picture, but like, I love that because you give that outlet for people to say like, like, Oh, you get a look behind the curtain, like rightly you get the lessons that you learn and people can see what you're doing and get inspired by that. So you are contributing to that. And I think that's so cool. And one of the, the a post from you earlier this year that really inspired me um, mm. because it was a quote that I thought was awesome was like run often and run well was kind of like the motto of this year. And like, to me, like one of the things that always, like I said before, early in the podcast that impressed me about you is like, you're able to go into so many of these events and like go into it. And even like at run rabbit, you were talking about how I was a little nervous, just coming out of the Colorado trail. and like, mm-hmm. you went out and freaking won it. And, um, so talk to me, I guess, about this run off and run well motto, uh, what that means to you and why that kind of led to a lot of the success that you saw this year. Yeah. So, I had a lot of races planned, a lot of different kinds of races. Like I had Black Canyon and then the next month I was going into a backyard ultra. And then I think a couple months later is Hellbender. And then it was like a, what was it next? Oh, it was Colorado Trail. And then it was Run Rabbit, Havelina, and then JFK. So I knew I had a lot on the plate. But I wanted, I had this desire to do all of these races. Something in these races inspired me to do it. Do it. And, you know, Havelina, for instance, I remember watching the coverage last year. I was like, I want to do this. And with the Backyard Ultras, I always watch or I always keep up on Instagram with like what's going on in one of those races like Big's Backyard. And I was just inspired to do it. Um, so I had a lot planned. I had so much planned. Um uh, And I wanted to do it all. So I wanted to run every single race and I wanted to run them just really well. And I had talked about this in the post, but you know, what does that mean? What does run well mean? And I think for me, it means a lot of different things, but especially towards the end of this year, um, that it, it just meant something a little different, just maybe running, um, physically well before it was also mentally Mm. well, because I did have like this very low point around hellbender where I was very mean to myself. Um, I did well in the race, but it was not, it was not a positive race for me. It was a very Mm. negative experience. It was all my head, uh, just bad, bad thoughts. Um, but like towards the end, like with Havelina and with JFK, I just, I'm really trying to focus more on, um, keeping my body healthy and working out and trying to, um, you know, protect my ankles. Cause I sprained that ankle, trying to protect mm. my ankles more. So working more on stability there and, um, my knees are starting to ache a little bit as well. Um, so maybe doing some crab walks and, um, some more weight training there just to run really well for a very long time. Like I want to be doing this for a really long time because, especially hundred mile races and ultra marathons. This is something that I live for. It's one of the things I live for. Of course, there's like my family, but there's also ultra marathons is kind of that, that second thing that I live for. 
So I hope to be doing this for a very long time. And now that looks like towards the end of the year, you know, sustaining myself a little more. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I like how you talk about like not only like the physically healthy side, like between each race, but also the mental, mentally mm. healthy thing. Cause like I think both go so hand in hand. And we think of recovery as just kind of like the physical side, but it's also the mental side. Like, are you feeling, mm -hmm. you know, good? Like, are you like mentally there? Are you excited to get back in training? Like, I think that part is like so cool. So I guess like I'm, I'm sure the question that's on probably everyone's mind listening and also mine too is like, how do you? like recover both like physically and mentally. Cause like, I mean, after Javelina, I was like right in a JFK, even before Javelina run yeah. rabbits pretty close. Like, and then Colorado trail was just like a few months before that. And so like, and, and like I said, like run off and run well, it's not usually a lot of people think that it's one or the other, right? It's like, you either can run often or you can run well, but to you, you're like, screw that. Like, why not both? And yeah, showing that, which is cool. So uh, how do you manage the recovery, both on the physical and the mental side in between these races to make sure you're showing up to the starting line to run off and run well? Yeah. So as far as like mentally for me, I started reading some books mm. about sports psychology and, um, trying to really ground myself during races and also use positive talk and realize how incredibly strong the mind is when it comes to athletic performance. It is incredibly, uh, if you have a positive mindset, it is very helpful, um, in your performance because your body, yeah, I mean, your body needs to be strong, but your mind is so powerful and it can convince us to do, you know, to DNF, it can convince us to do a lot of things. So not caving, uh, when maybe you could go a couple more miles, uh, just because your mind is telling you something doesn't always mean it's true. Um, but also like just positive self-talk. I learned a lot about positive self-talk and being nice to myself. Like I was mm. doing really good in that in Hellbender. I was like fourth overall mm. in men and women. And I was just like, you're doing terribly. You're the worst runner. And I was like, where I was like at, at war with myself. So mm. I learned more about that. I, uh, there is, if you don't want to listen to audiobooks, um, of course, your local library probably has these books. What I use is Hoopla, which is a my local library has like a um, like an audiobook app, and so you can get all these audiobooks for free. You don't need to pay for them. So oh, I got what? a couple of books. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Hoopla, and then there's Libby who also does it. So if your local library has one of those apps, it's very helpful for free audiobooks. Oh my yeah. gosh, he just my Audible book. subscription. What the heck? Uh, yeah. That is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have all of them. Like I have to still get some Audibles, but it is helpful. I got a lot of I'll I'll look this up real quick cuz it this book really helped me and I know some people struggle with the mental side too mm -hmm. and this book was one that really helped me. It didn't really give me a lot of like tips um on like how to combat it, but it showed me how important a positive mindset is. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of examples, but it's how bad do you want it by Matt Fitzgerald. Mm -hmm. Um that was a good one and I'm about to listen to the comeback quotient um, by the same author. And so that's all mindset. So if you're struggling with mindset, just listen to that. It's, it's very inspirational, but as far as physical, um, uh, <laughs> after Colorado trail, I did not feel okay. I was not doing okay. There was a long period of time. I was nervous for run rabbit. I was not recovering as fast as I thought I would. 
And I just kind of went into Run Rabbit with really, really low expectations. Mm. But it turned out to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it went really well. It went so well. I was 100%. I did all of the work. I, I didn't like accept my fate. I did all this work prior. I, I make it sound like, oh, I just fell into like success. But I did all this work. I knew the course before because I had done it before. I had really good crew. Uh, my husband, Jonathan, and my friend, Reese. Reese is always crewing me. She's really good at what she does uh, on the course. So she already knew the course because she did it the year prior. And we are so quick with those crew aid station um, exchanges. And I just knew the course. I knew when to turn it on. I knew when to kind of like put my head down, do those climbs. I knew when those climbs would be over. I think it really helped that I had all that um, course experience. I think that really, really helped me a lot. That gave me an upper hand for sure. But I also did all of that work and I, I worked really hard to keep going because I had a low point in the race. Mm. Um, about 10 miles in, I had like no energy, zero energy. I was like, I've never had a low this early. Oh my God. I was like, how am I going to finish? And I think having a low early is a benefit because everyone has their lows later in the race. I had mine early. And so I was able, especially at Run Rabbit, it's good if you hold it back for the first 30. So I was in that perfect area to kind of like recover from that low. And then at 30 miles, I turned on my music. Uh, if anyone wants any beta for the course, get a playlist that will inspire you and turn it on at 30 miles at Billy Rabbit aid station. And you'll just, you'll just kill it down that hill, um, into dry Lake. So 30 miles in, that's when I went and I was just hundred percent. I was passing a bunch of people past first and second women at Olympian hall around Olympian hall and just was off from there. I felt, I felt like I was hundred percent after that. Um, so having a low early is really good if anyone's wondering. Um, but yeah, so after run rabbit, was like great that went really well i'm excited for javelina did not do the work did not did not prepare for javelina like i should have um i chilled out a lot and i recovered a lot uh, i still ran but i wasn't doing my heat training i made my race plan on the plane to javelina like my race plan which i had for run rabbit weeks prior already mm. made um yeah <laughs> i did not prepare for javelina that well did not prepare my gut for eating well and then all of a sudden i was at jfk at the start line of jfk it was all blur because it was just two weeks later i was at jfk and that went all right as well it wasn't my favorite uh, race. It didn't go as well as I wanted it to, but I kept going past a really low point. And I mean, that's a win. That's a win in its own. Yeah. And fourth, fourth place of that course too is, uh, is pretty, I mean, very competitive race known as one of the more competitive 50 miles. So fourth place, I mean, still great, especially after the string of races. And I, I think it's so awesome at run rabbit, how you had that low point at, at 10 miles in, especially like, cause even before, you know, um, when you were talking about going in like low expectations, like you even talked about like in the post, I remember like where you submitted your picks for the race, how you like picked a competitor over you. Like, and I think it's like so amazing that like, even with those things and even hitting the low point at 
like mile 10, like I think it can be easy to let the mind almost use that as like a verification kind of thing to be like, oh yeah, like you were right, like blah, blah. But you, like something in you like knew that it wasn't like that. So how did you like actually get yourself out of that moment? Was it just as simple as just keep moving? Like, were you telling yourself something? Like, how did you get out of that low point? And how do I guess maybe when you get into these like low points, I, I remember so distinctly from uh, the Javelina pre-race interview, you, you talk about getting to this dark place and like getting in there and stuff. I, 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 it's, I still think about it cause it fired me up when you said it. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, anyways, without getting too ahead of myself, uh, how did you get out of that low point in, in mile 10, like during that race? Yeah. So that dark place, I think I go to that um, place when nutrition especially is really bad. I think it's it's easy then to like separate my body and my mind and then Mm -hmm. go to another place because my stomach is not feeling okay. So that's really when that separation comes. As far as the exhaustion that I experienced, I really hadn't experienced that before in a race. So it was new. Um, Something I love about these ultra marathons, especially one in Colorado and Arizona is that there's so many people, there, so many friends. So I was running with a bunch of ladies. I was running with, um, Karen, I forget her last name, uh, Megan also forget her last name, uh, Brianna Gris- Grigsby, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, oh gosh, Salida, Salinda, mm-hmm. uh, also forget her last name. But I was running with these four ladies. I was just telling them, like, I'm really not doing well. And they're like, Tara, you can do it. They're just encouraging me, inspiring me. We're all just being honest with each other. Like, how do you feel? Like, Hmm. is this is this your pace that you want to go? How do you how are you doing? We're all just encouraging ourselves. And that's what I love about these ultra marathons because everyone's competitive, but we're still trying to help each other get through it. I love those bonds, especially with women. That's my favorite thing. So we're all get through it together. And they're all inspiring me to just keep going. You got it, Tara. I also passed an aid station with my coach, Carl Meltzer. He stays at, I forget which one it is. He he's at one of these aid stations. And I told him, he's like, just keep going, you know, at 30 miles, pick it up, but you've got about, I don't know when I saw him, you've got like an amount of time before then. So just keep going, do your thing. You know, the plan. Um, And so that's what got me through it was really the people. And I don't think um, I I didn't have that like dark place that I went to is more I kind of verbalized it with people around me and people that I trusted, especially, um, and they got me through it. Wow, that's incredible. Because like you would think and I feel like this is definitely a a fault of the us headstrong men out there sometimes like when you're like in that like a group of people, right? I, I like I know I've been in the past people like, how have you been? And I'm like, oh, I'm feeling okay. When inside I'm like, no, not great. Can't show the poker face. But I think there's some power in that vulnerability. Like you were mentioning that like, it's like, hey, this is who I am right now. This is how I'm feeling. And there's something powerful about vulnerability that I think comes with strength too. Because uh, I think sometimes just going in and saying like, oh, I feel great. When like, you really feel like shit uh, <laughs> doesn't always match well with the, with the situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is a worthy, um, for some people that, that does work like that strategy of having a poker face Mm -hmm. that does work a lot when it comes to backyard ultras. I, that was a big lesson I learned. Mm. You can't, you can't be honest with everyone at the backyard ultras because you're, it's a little bit about the mind tricks. It's not so much like we're all just going to get through this and have a great time. It's like, 
who's going to be the last one? How are you feeling? <laughs> that was Yeah. So all that to say, I, I, it is a worthy strategy for some things and it depends on like what race you're in um, and who you're with too. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not, you can't just like run up to somebody like a big competitor, I guess, who you've never talked to before. Like I ha I was friends with mm. some of these ladies prior um, and you can't just run up to anyone and be like, I'm feeling like crap. <laughs> <laughs> or but, maybe you could say that just to throw someone off trail and they should be like yeah they'd be like oh they're feeling like crap but then you're just like yeah i'm gonna come bury you later on <laughs> yeah, that's so true if you do say that you're like oh i feel so bad and then you're like running really fast <laughs> and they're like wait if they feel like crap and they're going fast am i doing something wrong right so that's also another strategy. I'll give you all that one for free. So Looking no need back, to pay me. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you the, uh, the invoice payment in the mail though. I think it's great. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I like to talk about the backyard ultra because there's like some mind tricks. I mean, like, cause oh that is gosh, you yeah. know how long you're going to be going. You, you were 170 miles in mm -hmm. that one, which is just nuts. Like any yeah. interest in doing one of those again? Yeah, I think it definitely, it needs to be at a right right time in my training uh it just it really broke my body mm -hmm. i forgot my road shoes because you do four mile loops yep. during the day on trail and then you do four mile loops um on the road at night and i forgot my road shoes and the trail shoes i only had a couple trail shoes and they weren't great on road so i really i I kind of overused my knee. I had an overuse injury on my knee mm -hmm. after that. And it was rough and I was really hurting after that. So it has to be, I think it's going to be for like a different time in my life. I'm going to transition to those. They are fun. Uh, and I want to do, I want to get to 200 miles. Oh, really? Oh my yeah. gosh. Any, yeah. any race like that you would want to do out of the 200s or? Oh yeah. Like all of them. I would totally do all of them for sure. <laughs> There's not, I mean, I think the first one I think of is Cocodona just because it's beautiful. I love Arizona. It's through Arizona. So, I mean, that's maybe the first. <laughs> that would There's, be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I think it would just be a fun experience. I think it would be a, a good time. Um, a little more inspiring than a backyard ultra. That is the same thing for, <laughs> days and days and days i think the back yeah i mean the backyard ultras are like you just even don't know how long you can be going i mean like we look at harvey lewis and and them oh I mean, for gosh. like 400 miles like it's i think i've never been in one of those kind of races but i can just like just not knowing how long you could go is like that's just such an interesting thought whereas like a 200 it's like you know like a 250 i'm gonna be done yeah like, that is just like my there's God. no knowing there's no knowing there's no there's no knowing when, how long it's going to be, who's going to be out there with you if they're on their A game or they're not feeling great. Like everyone's just trying to, uh, it's a lot of mind tricks. It's, it, it was surprising for me. And that's ultimately what it came down to. I was like in a really low place and I was trying to talk with people, my normal strategy. Mm -hmm. And they were, I, had asked some people for like caffeine pills. I thought we were all going to like work together and it's not like it was sketchy or anything. Like I totally understand, <laughs> but there wasn't a lot of support there. And I was like, I just was exhausted. I was 41 hours in and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm over this. And I just stopped. <laughs> oh my gosh. Still 170 miles out. And then that's every, 
like it's the four it's 4.2 every hour on the hour right like yeah so mm-hmm. that's like i mean just gnarly like it's not like you're sleeping or for elongated periods of time it's no. out yeah. there like how do you how do you measure that like in your head like in terms of just like you know like what's your what's your main strategy i guess to for a backyard ultra yeah like or like the biggest kind of takeaway that you learned from that um prior to the race i would say two months before if you're on a break at work, like at my work, I have two 15s and I have a 30. So for me, I was thinking like a good strategy would be to sit down at a 15 minute break and just try to close your eyes and sleep and try to sleep for those 15 minutes because you'll only get, for some people, it might be a little more, maybe 15 to, you know, three minutes of sleep, depending on where you are when you come in from that last loop. So two months before, try to just every day, try to lay down uh, for 15 minutes and try to get a really good power nap in. Um, Try to do that. I think that's key. I think that's key to finishing these things is getting just minimal amounts of sleep is better than nothing. Um, What else? Oh yeah. Just like the strategy of like, you don't have to fake anyone out. You don't have to like go against your morals and like, (laughs) you know, tell people to quit. You don't have to be mean about it, but just more of a poker face and trying to outrun these people because it's all about like when the last, if you'll be the last person, like when will those people, um, quit? Fortunately, that's how it is. It's, it's very competitive in that way. Yeah. So just having that poker face about you is important and just keeping that, um, you know, just trying to be as strong as possible and keep that down low, keep, keep all those mo- emotions down low, which I'm not good at. Oh, I'm not good at either. So I, yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> I need to get out and practice in a, in a backyard ultra. So, oh, but that yeah. is awesome. No, it's so cool. I w- always just intrigued by that format and just the little tips, like the extra sleep and even just like, you know, training at your work by just getting in those sleeps, those nap breaks, I can see how that can be super beneficial. So it's so cool that you, uh, you you brought the training into the the day to day life too, which <laughs> yeah. is which is awesome. Uh, I guess like kind of wrap, wrapping this up too. I want to just touch talk briefly about Hard Rock. Like mm, yes. first, uh, like what is like what's going through your head on Hard Rock? Like I mean, like obviously a lot of excitement too, and and everything like that. And I know this was something that you've been mentioning last year that you wanted to get into. Mm. And so, talk to me about all the feels, and then also like what's uh, maybe like if you have a plan to like train for it or. How, do you, how are you approaching the legendary race in Silverton? Yeah, I'm just completely and totally like thankful for this opportunity. Not a lot of people get this opportunity to run hard rock. Only comes once a year and what, a hundred some people get to race it. And there's people who have been that lottery for years and years and years and haven't gotten in. So I am just so thankful for this opportunity. I don't want to like, I don't want to like... <laughs> I want to be present for that entire like pre-race, during race, after race. I want to be there and I want to be so present in that. So I, first off, just am so thankful for that. And as far as like leading into it, I have a lot of, a lot more structured training I'm looking at. I'm trying to be more proactive as we talked about in the beginning. I'm not as proactive with nutrition and with, you know, um, some other facets of rain, uh, racing um, with training. So I'm trying to be more structured. I'm trying to, um, you know, incorporate more um, exercises for my ankles, my knees, uh, trying to do more lunges for, you know, strength and climbing. 
I'm trying to do more work in order to prepare for hard rock. It's not, it's, it's not, it's right around the corner and the way I see it. So I'm really trying to be as proactive as possible. And I have a couple races going into that one that I think will help prepare me for it. Black Canyon will be kind of a tune-up race. Nice. Uh, and I'll see all my buds again. There's so many friends I have out there, so that'll be fun. And then I'm thinking canyons and then go right into hard rock and just, just be present and be there for that race. And also try to vlog it. Cause I do vlog pretty much all my races. Um, I try to give everyone a look into what the race looks like if they want to sign up for it or if they want to know any information on the race. I That's something I've looked a lot for when I was starting 100 mile races was to try to find somebody who vlogged it. And I used to watch this one guy a lot and that was helpful. So I incorporated themes of what he did, but I also added things that I would like to know if I was going into a race. So I also want to vlog Hard Rock, of course, no question about that. Um yeah, I'm just overall just so thankful, so excited, just trying to like keep my body. I'm a little nervous. I'm not trying to overdo it because if I get injured before hard rock, I will never forgive myself. Mm. <laughs> so trying to keep my body 100% for that too. So yeah, oh, that's, that's a long awesome. answer. <laughs> no, it's great. I love it. I, I love how even the beginning you were talking about like more structured training. And so you're looking to be more intentional with it too. And I mean, still racing like to a some of the most competitive races in the year too, which are both golden ticket races. So I'm I'm sure I got to ask, like if, if, if the cards are in your favor with the ticket, would you, would you go the double? Sure. Why not? <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it seems like a good idea. I mean, that, I don't think it would ever happen for me if I'm going to be honest, but Western States is one of those, another one of those races that people wait years and years and years to get into. So I would be just, of course, I would want to do that and just try to be there uh, and be so present in that experience as well. But we'll see. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I think uh, with your with your pedigree and, and fitness and attitude, it's, it's definitely in the cards potentially for these two races as well. So I'm excited to see you at both those golden ticket races, but most importantly, excited to see you at Hard Rock. And we we appreciate you, the running community for vlogging it and, oh. and giving us the look because as you know, like, I mean, granted, we had the live stream last year with Hard Rock, but it's better to, I think, see it from the perspective of, you know, the, the person going through it and running it. So I will be 100% tuning in. And, and like I said, for anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast, um, I'll put Tara's YouTube channel, all the socials in the link in the, in the show notes. So please follow along her journey. She is awesome if you aren't already. And uh, yeah, excited to see your build into hard rock, my friend. And this conversation has been so awesome. Like you are so rad, Tara. Like I love the time. You're super inspiring. And the last question that I ask every guest on this podcast, uh, so show is called Everyday Ultra and Mm -hmm. our whole ethos is to help our listeners be better endurance athletes every day. So my question to you, Tara, is what can our listeners do every single day to be better? endurance athletes oh that's a great question oh, mm, mm. I think just getting inspired every single day I kind of talked about this a little bit but just being inspired is a big part of it if you're inspired everything will come easily after it won't come easily but it'll come um, more naturally because you want to do it. You have this desire. Like if I got my brother and I was like, 
Derek, we're going to run a hundred mile race. He wouldn't want to do that. He's not inspired by ultras. He's a bodybuilder. He's a weightlifter. He wouldn't want to do that. But if I was to ask like another friend of mine who is into ultras, if they want to do it with me, we would train. Of course, they would love to do that. So I think being inspired, just finding some inspiration somewhere, if it's a YouTuber, if it's on Instagram, a TikToker, uh, a book, a specific athlete, I think finding that inspiration is really important uh, for the, the race and just your progression of your career. Oh, I love that. And I think it's so cool because I know that you're that athlete for a lot of people out there who are looking to do the same thing. And so, and I know that after listening to this too, a lot of people are uh, continuing to be inspired by you, Tara. And I know we're we're all going to be following you along in, in 2024 and cheering you on. I won't be racing Black Canyon, but I'll be there. So I uh, cool. hope to see you there at the finish line and I'll be cheering you on. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the show and best wishes uh, for 2024, my friend. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You got it. <laughs>